Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. We've been doing a series, Kathy and I, on the four ingredients of faith. We understand that they all come parallel when the first one has to be laid first, and then the second one, and then the third one, and then the last one. They're all parts of what we call the ingredients of faith. We understand that the most important thing in my life and in your life is really our faith. The Bible says, for without faith, it's impossible to please God. Please means to come into alignment with everything heaven is saying and doing. For so without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must what? Believe that he is, but also that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We also recognize if it's faith that brings us into alignment and an agreement and pleases God, gratifies God, then we also understand that there's uh, enemies of faith. We've covered the enemies of faith, lack of knowledge. The Bible teaches us in Hosea, the prophet. He said, my people, everybody look at someone and say, my people are destroyed because they don't know me. As one translation, New Living, the New King James says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Literally missing pieces of information, twisted scriptures that are taken out of their context, that people put a bunch of them together and they make all kinds of different various doctrines. So again, lack of knowledge of God's word, ignorance. Jesus rebuked the religious leaders of his day and he answered them and said, you do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Why? Because it's directly in line with it. And then we understand that the second enemy of faith that we covered was the sense of unworthiness, okay? So many people, you know, for many years in my religious upbringing, I used to beat my brow and say, Lord, I'm not worthy. Well, how many know when you went to church at least five to six times a week and you beat yourself and you said, I'm not worthy, 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 I'm not worthy. How many know faith comes by hearing and it hears both in the negative as well as in the positive? And God says, I read in his word, if you're not worthy, don't eat. Okay, so anyway, we won't go and develop all that right now, but that sense of unworthiness uh, challenged my whole area of mindset when I started seeing in the Bible that he who knew no sin was made to be an offering of sin for Rick, that he might become the righteousness of God. And then 2 Corinthians 5 says, when we receive the gift of righteousness, we're the ones who will reign as kings in this life. I had no problem receiving it in here, but I had a real problem with it up here. And it took a while for that faith to arise, to break the old negative mindsets, to get into what the Word says. So many walk around with a sense of unworthiness, not understanding their position, and not understanding that they've been made the righteousness of God, not becoming. It's already a done deal. And then we come to the place of mental agreement, where we saw the, uh, Thomas, one of the disciples, who later became a martyr for the faith, and he missed a church service out there. And guess what happened? He said, except man, the other disciples said, the Lord appeared to us. And he said, no, unless I put my finger in his side, and he says, I'm not going to believe. And so what was it? It was mine was the area that was challenged. Why? Because they saw his death. They saw his burial. He heard about the resurrection but didn't believe it. So he said, accept. And that's where a lot of believers, they mentally agreed to some set doctrines and teachings in the faith, but it's not gotten into their heart. Those are enemies of faith. Doubt, wavering. We're going to have a skit in about 15 minutes on that whole aspect of doubt. The Bible says, uh, let not a double-minded man the Bible said the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And then there's a promise from the Word of God. Let not that man think 
that he will receive anything from the Lord. How many know double-minded people, they're doubting, they're vacillating back and forth. You know, should I do this? Shouldn't I do that? And then going back and forth. How many know they're unstable in all their ways and they're not going to receive anything? They're like a, a, like a wave that's on the, the waters just being tossed to and fro. And then the last aspect, the enemy of faith is not being fully persuaded. This isn't just a gig. This isn't a Sunday morning exercise or experience. This is the word of God. We believe strongly here that what God has said, he meant. This Thursday night, I'm going to be staring on end time events that's going on for the college and career groups, and people are going to be coming from all over. You're all welcome to join us Thursday night at uh, about 8 o'clock up in the youth center over here, the new uh, area that they just showed on there. And I'm going to be sharing my heart on, on last days and end times, okay? And, and many people are not fully persuaded with inside of their minds. It's one thing to have it in our hearts, but it's another thing to renew it into our minds so that the two are working together and going in the same direction. So we recognize that. We recognize we get our, our prayers answered by faith. We recognize that by faith we quench all, not some of the fiery darts of the wicked one. We overcome the world by faith. We overcome sin by faith. Everything we do in our life is done by faith. The Bible teaches us in Romans 14, whatsoever is not of faith is what? It's called sin. So now we're going to be covering very basically uh, the first ingredient of faith that I spent four weeks on is getting acquainted with God. We shared the various names of God, and every one of the names that the Scripture shares about is a revelation of that aspect of God's character that causes faith to be awakened, faith to, to rise. Why? The Bible says faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. So the names of God are a revelation of that aspect of God's character. One of the names of God he's called is the Good Shepherd. If he's the Good Shepherd, how many know he's not the Bad Shepherd? It's amazing today how God gets the blame for things that transpire inside of our world. God sent the quake. God sent the storm. God sent that. But yet when the Son of God was here on earth, when the storm came, how many know he rebuked the storm? So if it was God the Father that sent the storm, then the Son was very rebellious and going against the Father's will. Come on, church, let's just say it the way it is, okay? He wasn't rebellious. He was in obedience because he said, I only do the things that my father said to do. So if God didn't send the storm, where did the storm come from? Okay, ask yourself those questions. That's the reality. So our knowledge of God, our acquaintance with God. And then the second ingredient of faith is the aspect of trust. Until you're acquainted with God and you have the proper knowledge and understanding of God, it's going to be very, very hard to trust him. Many get a promise of God and they, and they go to step out and, and, and trying to stand on the promise of God, trying to activate the promise of God in their life, but they're not sure of God's character. They have questions all of his character. Get the questions out first. Get to know the character of God and then you can partake of his divine nature through the exceeding great and precious promises that have been given to you so that you're a sharer of his divine nature. And that's powerful. And everybody said amen. What I want to talk to you this morning about is the third ingredient of faith because I believe this is most important for every one of us inside of this here room because it's the aspect of faith. Now, the Bible teaches us something that is very, very cool. How many want to know what the Bible says about hope? You say, what's hope got to uh, do? Well, let's go to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And in the New King James, I'll read this one first. This is what it says. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. The New Living says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for, okay? It says that we hope for what actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. And then I like the New English Bible. It says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see. 
So this is what you need to understand. The hope that we're talking about now that is one of the ingredients of faith is not just wishing. It's not just hoping maybe it's going to work out. Things are going to turn around. It's not that kind of hope in any way. The biblical hope that we are talking about over here within the context is the feeling that what is wanted, what is desired, can be had or that events will turn out for the best uh, for a person or a thing. It's a confident expectation. Everybody say it together. A confident expectation. According to here, it's proof. According to here, it's the assurance. So this is the way I like to describe, and this is the best illustration, is this is your dream right over here in this here hand. It's the vision that God has for your life. It's the purpose that connects you to the destiny that God has for your future. It's all right over here. And faith is what gives substance it's what solidifies your dream. So it actually can say, faith is what feeds your hope. Now listen carefully. If you have all this faith on the inside that's awakened by hearing and hearing by the word, but you don't have a dream, you don't have a vision, you don't have a goal, then it's basically empty faith because the two work together and it's one of the ingredients of faith that connects it to your future, connects it to your dream. And all the way, we're going to go through the scriptures right now and we're going to study this here out. It also is a desire accompanied by a confident expectation of its fulfillment. In other words, God has a promise and because you're acquainted with his character and you know him and you know that he's good to keep his word, he'll back it. So you've sold to the offerings, you've given to the missionaries, you've helped the poor, you've done that. And the Bible promises, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Because of that, you trust him. And so from the time that you speak it forth out there to the time of the fulfillment of that there is where this whole aspect of hope comes in. Your whole life is determined by seeds in your hand, seeds in your life. Everything you do, your words are seeds that will build your future. Your dreams are seeds for the future of what God has. And as you water those seeds through faith and speak what God's word has to say over what you see, you will see your faith actually break and take solidification in the spirit realm. Very, very important that you get a hold of this here. Now, in the scriptures I want to share as believers today, you hear people talk, and their talk is a revelation of what is going on inside of their heart. And whatever it is that you ponder on, whatever it is that you're meditating on, whatever it is that you're thinking on is a revelation of what you're dreaming about. An example of that would be people say things like, who cares? Okay, well, let me just tell you something. First of all, God cares. And that's why he said, cast the whole of your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So if you have an attitude, who cares? You're usually operating in some form of despair. You're operating in some forth, some forth of faithlessness. You're operating in some forth of double-mindedness. You're operating in something where you no longer have hope because the Bible says hope deferred our hope neglected. It makes the heart sick. As a matter of fact, in the Message Bible, it says this, un, Proverbs 13, 12, unrelenting disappointments. How many have ever been disappointed? Have you ever wondered why those disappointments come? They come, listen very carefully, to break your heart. They come to try to steal your faith. 
It says unrelenting disappointments. In other words, you get through one and then something else happens. You get through another thing and then something else happens. And then you say, like, what is life all about? Who cares? Why even try? Why even do this here? Because, listen, there's another part to the verse. Unrelenting disappointments. Listen what it says over there. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. I want to tell you something. The unrelenting disappointment. Put it up in the message Bible because you need to see this here because it's says the second part is a sudden good break is going to turn things around. What I want to share with this house this morning is, is we are not hopeless people. We are hopeful people here. Unrelenting disappointments leaves you heart sick. But look at the second part. Come on, church. But a sudden good break can turn it around for you. That's your hope. That's your dream. That's your vision. That's your God-given passion, desire to see the prophetic words coming out of your mouth begin to take on substance, begin to bring change. Listen, as Christians today, we are not hopeless. We have Christ in us, the hope of glory. We possess the hope of his calling to excel, to break out, to push forward. We possess the promises of God that are inscribed inside of our heart. And it's through faith that we are partakers of divinity of his divine nature that lives on the inside of you if God be for us man get a revelation of it that's hope your hope is not in man your hope is in God and because it's strong in God you can have it in the promises of God when people say who cares things will never change I feel like I'm in a prison. I feel like I'm trapped. There's no way out. He'll never change. She'll never change. It's just the same old, same old. Life is a bore. I hate my house. I hate my car. I hate my job. I hate my church. Come on. I hate my relatives. I hate my neighborhood. I just want to be alone. Why don't people just leave me alone? What's the use? Can't stand living from paycheck to paycheck. The minute I get ahead, everything goes wrong. You know what that's a description of? A person that's in despair, a person that's hopeless, a person that has let their dream go, a person that has let their faith down. That's the description of a person. And when those words come out, the enemy is right there as a legalist to take those words and to seize them and to bring them to pass inside of your life and to keep you in the snares and to keep you in the ruts. I'm here to tell you today, this God that we serve is a God of the breakthrough. This God, when it looks like there's no hope, when it looks like it's the end, when it looks like it's the dead road, when it looks like it's the end of the road, it's the beginning of a new road. Tell Mo that. Moses is there. And here's Egypt coming out. Got all their cattle. There's some three million of them with their kids. Three million. They got all the cattle. They got all the abundance. They got all the jewelry. They got all the diamonds. They got all the gold. Come on. And they're going out. And they get to the Red Sea. Wasn't the Black Sea. Wasn't the Green Sea. Wasn't the Orange Sea. Wasn't the Yellow Sea. It's the Red Sea. Why? Because it was the blood. And when they got to the Red Sea, guess what happened? The priests go out. And as they go into the waters, how many know the waters began to open up? In the same respect, it was the end of the rope. When Esther was there, and there was a wicked leader, his name was Haman. And Haman set it up, and he brought the guillotine out. 
And he set it all up because he's going to get rid of this Mordecai who was a thorn in his flesh. He's going to get rid of this godly man named Mordecai. But Mordecai had a niece and his wife, and his niece was called Esther. And Esther was in the high courts with the pin. Come on. And guess what? Uh, Esther goes and said, listen, they're going to eliminate all the Jews. They're going to exterminate them from the entire planet. They're going to kill every living one and give them a legal right by the king's domain to steal all their homes, to steal all of their possessions. It looked like a hopeless situation. But Esther came into the kingdom for such a time as this, and the God of hope showed up, and the guillotine that was meant for Mordecai ended up Hammond going in. That's the God when we're at the end of our ropes. It's the beginning of finding a new rope in there. When you're at the end of your faith, that's when God's faith will pick in and kick in. The Bible says Abraham, and the Bible said he believed in hope when there was no hope. He recognized, I can't do this in and of myself, but God said it. And because God said it, I know him. I know his voice. I trust him. My hope is in him. And God brought it. And then he started saying what? Calling the things that be not as though those things already were. There's too many men and too many women today that are calling the things that be as though that's the way it's going to be. We possess the hope of a future resurrection and the receiving of a glorified body. We possess the hope of a salvation that will protect our minds, will protect our emotions, will protect our lives from all the fiery darts of the wicked. We possess the hope of victory that in every circumstance, in every challenge that we will face, we come at it from a mindset not of weaklings, from a mindset not of inferiority, but from a mindset that God says our champions, our warriors, and we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. We possess the blessed hope that when the final trumpet sounds, the Bible says the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, and he's going to reign forever. Folks, God is in the kingdom taking business right now. I'm going to tell you something. The Antichrist isn't going to have the last say. The false prophet isn't going to have the last say. God's going to have the last say. And his last say is the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. Well, who's the one that's going to take the kingdoms for God today? It's you and I today with the dominion mandate that he's put upon your life and my life. If you're like 92% of the church world that has been seduced by the pillow prophets of the hours today, even my own camp. And I'm not ashamed to say what it is. The prerequisite for rapture is you had to die first. Those which sleep in Jesus, that means they died. God will bring with him. You want to know your mandate? Darkness is going to cover the earth. Gross darkness is going to cover the people. But he said then, one of the 3,978, my glory shall be seen upon you. This is the time. This, the darkness is here. It's not coming, folks. It's here. And you think it's tough now? You wait to see when push comes to shove and the heat gets turned on. But that's when the glory is going to be greater revealed. That's the hope. 
That's my waking moment. That's my breath. That's my life. I'm not looking to blow this pop stand. I'm looking to make havoc for hell. I'm looking, looking to take everything we can from the enemy and every soul that he's blinded, every soul that he's deceived, every soul that he's put in prison. I'm looking to translate them out of the authority of darkness and bring them into the kingdom of his son. I'm looking to see a generational church, a generational army, a generational authority, a generational blessing rise up like we've seen in no other time of WCF and Des and Kim and the team are going to act it out so you can see the importance of getting these things in from a young age. Wow, Mom, that plant sure has grown since the last time I was by. Yeah, it's been a while since you've been by. This is seven weeks worth of growth. Oh, I know, I'm sorry. Life has been so hectic lately with work and at home. What's the problem, son? What's not the problem, Mom? I remember when you were the problem. Mom, let's not go down memory lane again. I know I told you a thousand times what a handful you were, but you've really got to start listening. Trust me, Mom, I know every story off by heart. I was there, remember? Yeah, I remember the first day you got expelled from daycare. It was preschool, Mom, preschool. Yes, everything you did was the opposite of what I was praying for, but I still prayed. And even when we went to court after you stole Mr. Mulder's car, remember? Oh, do I ever. Yes, I had high expectations every day. I had hope. I had something to look forward to. Remember what that was? The day that I would turn into the man that God created me to be. Everything about you in God's word was true. I trusted his word. I meditated on it day and night until I could see the man you were to become. Even in high school, after you made the wrong choices, I still had hope. And look, now you're a growing successful. That's the way I seen you back then. I don't know, Mom. It's just, it's just not that easy. Hey, do you think what you put me through was easy? No, no, that's not what I mean. Mom, my circumstances have been so hard for so long. This job has just put such a toll on me. I thought I knew what I was doing, and now I don't know whether I'm coming or going. Just nothing makes sense anymore, and I'm tired. I'm tired of having the rug pulled up from under me every time it seems like something's turning around. Son, if I were to put my trust in the legal system, educational system, social worker, or even myself, I would have felt hopeless every time the rug was pulled under me, too. I guess I've just been putting my trust and hope in everything but God lately. And I've seen so much disappointment in my life because of it. Mom, when am I ever going to learn? Son, it's not too late. I just need to see growth in my life. It's just like this plant. You want to keep it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I need the reminder. I need the reminder that I need to be rooted in his word. Son, I'm so glad you stopped by today. Me too, Mom. Me too. Kindly turn in the Bible to Romans 15.1. This is where I want to close this morning. And when I want to leave you on a path, the scriptures talk to us, and with, there's so many places we could go right now. But when the children of Israel were put into captivity because of rebellion against God's Sabbath and his laws... And the Bible says that they ended up, keep that up right there. And the Bible says that they ended up in captivity. 
And then in the midst of captivity, here they are now, their circumstances are totally washed out, their hopes are all gone, their dreams are all gone, and God comes down through the prophets and he speaks to them and he says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. And he was saying that to the midst of a hopeless people, guys, I'm telling you. And he said, in those days when you pray, I will listen, and if you look for me in earnest, you will find me when you seek me, I will be found of you, says the Lord, and I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. See, there's the promise there, but people many times see, and they just try to claim that uh, in where they're at today, but the thing was, they were in overwhelming circumstances. They had no future. They had no hope. Now, look what the writer of Romans tells us as we wind down this here this morning. I just love this. Let's all say it together. We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. He just ends it and speaks about whatsoever is not a faith is sin. But we must not just what? Please ourselves. Now, if your motive is unselfish, it's not about you, it's about him, then you're, you're the prerequisite for the rest of this here. Go to verse number two. It says, we should, come on, help others, do what is right. And what are we supposed to do? Supposed to build them up. We're not supposed to tear them down. Not supposed to rip them up, we're to, to, to build them up. Look at verse number three. Everybody say it with me, come on. For even Christ didn't live to please himself. And as the scriptures say, the insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. Now get a hold of four and five. We're going to go right there. It says, such things were written, where at? In the scripture long ago to what? To teach us. Now he's quoting from that there, from the Old Testament, bringing it into new. And it said these scriptures that were written long ago were written to teach you and I in the new covenant. And the scripture, come on, come on. The scripture give us hope and what else? And encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Let me just give you a few of them. Without wavering, let us hold tightly to the hope that we have for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let me give you this one. Our hope is in you and you alone, O oh God. Psalm 147, 11, the Lord's delight is in those who honor him, those who put their hope in his unfailing love. Psalm 119, 49, remember your promises to me, for it is my only hope. Your promises revive me. It comforts me in all my troubles, and we can go on and on. These are the exceeding great. These are the the precious promises that whereby they're activated when we begin to speak. Instead of saying, I can't, start saying what God says. You can. I believe in you. You're going to make it. It's time to get up. It's time to resist. Everybody stand up for a moment, and then we're going to have the people come in in a moment. Your words are the containers. Your words are the keys. Your words are the catalyst of releasing hope in God. Abraham heard it eight times. You and Sarah are going to have this child out of your own loins. It's going to come the child. Amen. And the Bible says when he was 99 years old, God spoke to him, came down, said, I am the almighty God. Walked before me. And the Bible says Abraham at 99, not when he first appeared at 75, as false teachers would say, their teachers today teach a twisted gospel today. And say, at, at 75, Abraham was in faith. No. He already tried Operation Hagar at 88. And at 99, he finally got it. 
And he said, now I understand the language of faith. God calls the things that be not as though they already are. Are you all there right now? What we're going to do right now is you and I are going to speak our future. Come on. What do you mean you're going to speak our future? I believe that every day when you say the things as I said earlier, I can't do this and I can't do that and I want this and no hope and I got this and nobody cares and all this here, that is cursing your life. But there's another part called blessing your life. And blessing means a favor or a gift bestowed by God. So when you bless somebody, you're literally invoking God's favor upon a person or God's favor upon a thing. It's literally praise and worship to God and, and, and just seeing that he wants to invoke and wants to do good to your life. Amen? So are you all ready? We're just going to do that as we close. Are you all ready? Lift up your hands and just say, I'm starting today to speak a better future for my life. This God of hope lives inside me. And today, I'm going to activate my faith in the God of hope to give substance to my dream. Okay, you ready? I bless my family. I bless my finances. I bless my marriage. I bless my children. I bless my grandchildren. I bless my workplace. I bless my investments. I bless the area of ministry I serve in. I bless my dreams. I bless my vision. I bless my future. I bless my body. I bless my health. I bless my needs. I bless my relationships. I bless my enemies. I bless the backsliders. I bless the barren areas of my life that will become the fruitful areas of my life. I bless my home my meals, my possessions, my car, my motorcycle, my bicycle, my tricycle, my nation, Ontario, Windsor, Essex, LaSalle, Lakeshore, my mayor, my city council, my police department, my church and the churches, PGT, Lakeshore St. Andrews, HPAC, gathering and all the others that name your name. I bless the missionaries. I bless WLO. I bless Fellowship Hall. I bless the staff at WLC. I bless the servers of hospitality from the encounter weekend. I bless Barbara. I bless Liz. I bless all the volunteer guides. I bless the children's ministry, pastors Mike and Jen. I bless the youth ministries, Pastor Brian and Lynn, college and careers, Brian and Sherry, the elders of the church, the ushers of the church, the usherettes of the church, the parking lot attendees, the marketplace ministries. I bless in my life daily what I set my hands to. I speak words of life words of favor, and I invoke God into my life, my home, my church, my family, to see his kingdom come and his will be done. Give him thanks now as the team comes. Go ahead and shift it in.